Welcome to the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast, where we break down Bendis' iconic run on Ultimate Spider-Man, issues 1 through 160 in Earth 1610. I'm Zach. I'm John. How you doing today, John? Great. How about you? I know it's been a minute since we talked. Yeah, um, glad to be back here with you. It's It's been way too long. The listeners won't know the difference because we recorded some ahead of posting them, but this is actually our first pod of the new year, first pod since uh, we dropped the show, and the reviews are in. Are, are, what, what are they? Don't leave me in suspense. So I'm not going to give the exact numbers on how many people listen to us but uh because it's not that impressive yet i mean calm down guys <laughs> maybe someday before uh, we ha- before we hopped on you told me that it, w- it was very impressive and i said save it for the pod so now well, I feel like I might be a little let down by these well, numbers. No, it's impressive like to me, but they say most podcasts get discovered once they've already like been on air for a while. Um, OK, but, you know, what the heck? I'm just going to say we have uh, 97 total downloads so far. Huge. And yeah, and it looks like people are actually staying retained. It looks like if you start um, episode zero or episode one, most people are making their way through the rest of them. Episode three isn't quite there yet because we just dropped it, but we're not losing many people. And then y'all really like us on Spotify. Spotify is pulling its weight. That's 54% of our listeners. And wow, this is what's really cool. We've got 72 people in the United States, 10 in Canada, We've got some people in Chile, Sweden, UK, Germany, Australia, Indonesia, Sri Lanka, and India. We're worldwide. Misters worldwide. (laughs) Misters worldwide. Wow. That is is great. The retention is key. That means they must like us, not just Spider-Land. Yeah. He is secondary on this pod. This is the yes. first read John and Zach yeah. pod. <laughs> um, I will say one thing that y'all can do better at is if you haven't already, <laughs> go follow us on Instagram at first read podcast. That's where you're going to get all the updates. Whenever we drop a new episode, you can talk to us. You can like stuff, really boost our egos. I think it's the only thing I follow on Instagram. It's the only thing worth following these days. That's that's what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. So thank you guys so much. And then um, one other little bit of feedback that we got is uh, someone asked if we're really brought to them by the Better Business Bureau. Apparently they didn't like us talking about the Better Business Bureau. So, you know, what we did is we are. That's a that's a real partnership. This is a, a growing brand and they see that. Um, they've given us a professional uh, advertisement, f- professional radio ad, and we're going to play that for you now so you don't have to listen to our voices the entire hour. Every business says they're better. But the ones that earn and display the BBB seal back it up. It instantly identifies businesses that are committed to operating with integrity, honoring promises, and telling the truth makes you wonder why every business doesn't have it. 
So look for it because it's looking out for you. That's why it's the sign of a better business. And find a better business anytime at BBB.org. All right. Thank you, Better Business Bureau, for that. John, you have anything else uh, before we get into the issues? I don't have anything else. I, I know it's been a while since we spoke. It's been Christmas and the New Year. So I, I was going to ask if you did anything fun for Christmas or the New Year. But if if we think our 97 listeners just want us to get into it, we can just get into it. I mean, I had a birthday. That was a pretty good weekend. I had a birthday, too. No way. I didn't even realize you had a birthday. What day is your birthday? The 6th. What's yours? The 11th. Dude. Incredible. Now we have to keep this going until next year so that I can remember and wish you a happy birthday on air. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. I, I, I wish I was able to do the same. Did you get anything good? Um. So... I mean, I got experiences. I got a laptop and a PlayStation for Christmas. <laughs> so then for okay. my birthday, that- I just I went and watched the Colts uh, screw the Texans out of the first draft pick. That was Incredible. fun. Yep. Great. And went to a, just a little uh, punk show in a bowling alley. That was fun. Nice. That is fun. And you you went out of town. Tell me about that. I did. I I went to um, the suburbs in Chicago. I don't want to say I went to Chicago anymore because that sounds like you know back when I was like twenty three going to Chicago. It's different now. Now I just went up to see some friends and meet their new baby that they just had. Um, so that was really fun. We got to kind of play with the baby and um, you know just play a bunch of video games. Played League of Legends for like three days in a row. Nice. You went to Chicago Land. I want to say, yeah, Chicago land. Yeah. Yeah, they're saying there's a lot of babies up there in Chicago these days. It's a it's a good baby market. <laughs> All right. Well, awesome. So uh, you want to get us into these issues today? Yes, I absolutely do. So I figure let's let's recap a little bit, if nothing else, just for ourselves, because to the listeners, you know, they might just go episode to episode, but it has been a while for for us. So last week we did episode 13, 14, 15, and the last issue we read, Doc Ock breaks into that woman's house or apartment and kills her and then they they figure out that that's where Otto Octavius used to live before the exper- experiment and Ben Urich is going to go try to find Doc Ock and Peter is kind of eavesdropping on everything so he's going to go try to find Doc Ock too is what it seems so that's where we kind of leave off do you want to add anything Zach we got introduced to a new character it seems kind of interesting. Don't know much about her yet. Yep. But Gwen yep. Stacy gave her little high school deep monologue and then uh, threatened Kong with a knife. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then let's see. Does anything else happen? So we met Gwen Stacy. Doc Ock did some killing. Hmm. I, I think, think that's the, about it. I think those are the big beats. And the kids are still working on a superhero project. Yes. Hasn't been in a couple issues, but 
previously that is true. on. These issues move kind of fast. It really yeah. is like like it could be a couple issues in a single day and then the next issue is like the next day or two days later. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so issue 16 written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Mark Bagley, inked Bagley. by Mark Tiber Bagley. Sorry. Inked by Ar- No, I want you to. I will I will be annoyed if Mark Bagley listens to this episode and we mispronounce his name and don't say anything about it. We're we got to do it right cuz we're going to get him on. Mark and we're we, coming and for you. And and if we can get Art to bear, then there's really no excuse for Mark Bagley. Um okay, so we open with Doc Ock having a conversation with someone or something off-screen. At first, I thought maybe he was talking to his arms. Um, but we find out in just a, a bit that that's not what was happening. He's talking to something off screen and he's saying, you tried to kill me. You turned me into this. You're evil. He kind of references that he and whoever he's talking to have a history of espionage and like spying on Norman Osborne, things like that. And we're not really sure who he's referring to. Um, but we know Doc Ock believes that this man is the reason that the experiment went wrong. And it's and he's the reason that that Doc Ock is now in the situation he's in with his with the legs. Um, Zach, do you have anything to add to that? Because I do, I I was I'll probably be asking you a lot about these three issues, like what was happening here, what was happening there, because I kind of didn't understand some of it. And I don't know who this guy is. Yeah, there's some new ones there. Um, I have read this before, obviously, and even I had to like go back and reread a couple parts because I was like, I feel like I just missed something. I, I will say in this opening scene where Doc Ock is kind of monologuing, even without knowing who he's talking to or what the context is, you can tell he's cracking like in one panel and just one panel. He's got tears streaming down his cheek and then in the next page there's a panel of him like open mouth laughing out loud and you can just tell like he isn't quite all there like something the experiment did something to him yeah he's completely losing it and then the 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 panel changes and we see that he was talking to a painting of some old man that I that I hadn't seen before. And Doc Ock says he knows that this was his fault and he's gonna and he promises to ruin the old man. So I don't know if do you want to tease who who that is or just keep moving? It'll be explained later in the episode. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we go to so we go from that to a commercial for Craven the Hunters TV show. And I love how they just like throw random characters in as if they're just part of the everyday world. Like they do it with Craven the Hunter here. I think later on, you know, in not this issue, but another one, they do it with Eddie Brock. They're just like throwaway kind of, you know, lines to just be like, these guys are in this universe also. Well, I think it's a teaser of things to come, but you're kind of burying the lead. Uh, Craven the Hunter is like Crocodile Dundee. He's like, or he's like the crocodile hunter or whatever. He's like this Australian outback, like 
macho man that has a TV yeah. show just like hunting animals. And that's not the craven we normally see, but it's very funny and it's very modern. Yeah. So I, I wasn't going to mention the Australian part, which I should have, but that is great. He is like a crocodile Dundee. But yeah, he says in his commercial, he can catch anything on earth. And we see examples of him hunting the lizard. So we know the lizard is obviously like in this. And we just see him hunting mutants in his commercial. And then I wrote, ooh, could this be a future villain of the week? So we'll see if maybe he he's in this a little bit more. We shall see. <laughs> and Peter is kind of watching this but while he's watching. He's thinking to himself about Doc Ock and how he wishes he could meet Doc Ock just to try and figure out what happened to him. But he's kind of nervous that Doc Ock's going to know that he's Spider-Man because he was he's like, oh, it's not going to be that hard to put this together. You know, if like the stupidest kid at my school could put it together, then, you know, surely Doc Ock will be able to. And he kind of remembers that Doc Ock is a, a mean guy who's kind of Weasley. So he's just a bit nervous about having to go and meet him. Seems valid to me. That's yeah. Logical fear. Yeah, absolutely. So while Peter's thinking about Doc Ock, he's he's at work at the Daily Bugle. J. Jonah Jameson comes up with a scowl on his face and, uh, you know, kind of get, gets Peter to head back to his desk to, to go back to work. On his way back to his desk, Ben Urich, who's running out of leads finding Doc Ock, kind of jokingly asks Peter, hey, you wouldn't happen to know where Doc Ock is? And Peter very nervously, you know, just not a good actor at all, is like, no, why would I have any idea where Doc Ock is? I, I don't know where he'd be at all. That's crazy, man. Do you hear yeah. yourself right now? That's crazy yeah. talk. Me? Doc Ock? No. <laughs> Get out of town. And 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 Yurik is like, okay, buddy, you need to lay off the sugar. You're, you know, because you can tell he's he's way off his rocker. Um, so Ben tries to Ben. This is meanwhile, Ben's trying to call Captain Stacy and he just can't get through to him. He keeps getting hung up on. So he tries to call him again. And Captain Stacy secretary or maybe Captain Stacy himself hangs up on him again. So then from that call, we move into Captain Stacy's office where he's scolding Gwen for bringing the knife to school. And Gwen is just about to storm off when she kind of yells back this speech about how, you know, Peter was getting bullied and they were just going to keep bullying him and nobody was doing anything about it. So she did something about it. And she's like crying and she's saying, you tell me that what I did was wrong because, you know, she, she knows that her dad would think what she was doing was right. And her dad just says, like, you can't pull a knife out on kids at school, <laughs> which is pretty good parenting. You know, even if she was right about p standing up for kids that are bullied, you shouldn't be pulling knives out of school. And that's yeah. from a teacher. Yeah, if I may be so bold, the first read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast strongly <laughs> condemns weapons of any kind in a school premises. <laughs> Absolutely. Even if there's bullying. Even if. Be that even. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I think it's interesting. Like, he's... So he's, you know, yelling at her about the knife, which is reasonable. But her whole thing is, you never asked me why I did it. 
Like you're just, yeah. you're telling me not to do it. And then that's when she brings up the whole bullying thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that is. And, and one thing she says is she doesn't just say they were picking on some kid at school. Do you, do you know what she says, Zach? They were picking on little Peter Parker. They were picking on cute little Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah. So we, so we might kind of be setting up a, a little love triangle. Also, in a couple panels before where, where Peter is kind of thinking about Doc Ock, his mind kind of slips to, oh yeah, and there's that new girl at school, Gwen. And then his immediate next thought is, I need to call Mary Jane. Yes. So there's, that too. there's definitely some wires getting crossed here. And then we cut to Gwen Stacy talking about cute little Peter Parker. So I don't know. A love triangle brewing. He caught himself slipping. And I think it's funny that it seems like Gwen likes him because he's just this little helpless thing. And MJ likes him and knows that he's not. Right, yeah. There's a funny little yeah, dynamic is, there. That is. Um, so, so as Gwen, Gwen ends up storming out of the office, she says she would do it again. Um, and then Ben Urich finally gets a hold of Captain Stacy by pretending to be his mom. And he tells Stacy the connection between the murdered woman in the apartment and Doc Ock, that they, that, that was Doc Ock's apartment before the experiment. And then Captain Stacy is confronted by two homicide detectives. They say, well, I think we find out those are the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, right, Zach? Those are the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents from later on. Yep. I believe. Yeah. And um, But I said he's confronted by two homicide detectives who look awfully shady. All they say right now is we're federal. That's all we can say. Okay. Okay. Maybe I misread. I thought they said something about homicide, but I, I don't know. But yeah, they don't really mention who they are. They're, they're yeah. kind of shady. They do that like cop show thing where they just like barge in and say like, we're taking this over, but then don't show ID or anything. <laughs> they, they do that a couple times today. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> That's their whole thing. Yeah. Um, so back at the Daily Bugle, there's a mention of a break in by a person with metal arms. Peter overhears this and heads over there with Spider-Man. We then learn that the man from the portrait, well, we actually still don't learn who he is, but we learn he's with his team of people. And I think the main guy we are going to be following here is not the man from the portrait, right, Zach? Because the man in the portrait that was clawed up by Doc Ock that he was talking to earlier, that is his daddy. Yeah, he's got a gentlemanly Southern <laughs> voice. And it literally yeah. says, that's not me, it's my daddy. <laughs> um, so, so the old guy yeah. looks like his dad when his dad was old. Yeah, yeah. I think he says, I don't want to do the whole accent for the whole sentence, but he says the only difference between his daddy and him is that he would never be so like full of himself to hang up a portrait in his office. Yes. But it objectively does look like the same person. So it explains why Doc Ock thought he was tearing up a portrait of the guy. Spider-Man is listening to this whole conversation between the, the old gentlemanly Southern man and his team of people. And then the shady people from earlier show up 
the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, and we learned that they are Sharon Carter and someone else who I don't think that they ever say the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent they are. They just mentioned Sharon Carter a couple times. She's the important one. Yeah. So Sharon Carter is explaining to the man that Doc Ock escaped and came here to break in and tear up his portrait. And meanwhile, we see Spider-Man's been outside listening to this entire conversation. And just then, they kind of see Spider-Man's head peeking down from the window, and they just start blasting. And luckily, Spider-Man is able to dodge all of this and just kind of jumps away. Are you laughing? Because I said they just start blasting. (laughs) Oh, I was thinking it too. (laughs) So anyway, I start blasting. Bang, bang. Yeah. But my eyesight's not so good. And they start running away. So I start trying to shoot him in the back. Bang, bang. Um, so do, do you want to add anything from that conversation with the old man and the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that maybe I missed? I don't just... think Doc Ock came specifically to tear up the painting. I think he came to no. kill the guy and he wasn't 100... there. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But no, you hit it pretty good. Okay. So then we go back to Craven the Hunter, and he is getting off a plane in New York, and he says he's here to hunt a very special species, a Spider-Man, and he says he's going to kill him with his bare hands, and Peter's just watching this on TV. I think we find out in the next issue. Yeah. So, good job. What is the grading scale for this one? Um... So I gave this out of 10 phone calls ignored from Ben Urich. (laughs) What do you you think? I'm going to say this was six phone calls from Ben Urich ignored. It's it's not bad. Like Percy's being right now moving your mic. But uh, I don't know. It's just it's uh, an issue that just gets you to the next stage of the story you know not not too much happens in it i didn't dislike anything but it just doesn't stand out yeah i can see that um i i kind of like all of the new characters being introduced and i you know i just like all all of that world building and everything but if i did have a problem with it it's that i didn't understand a lot of it like i did i still don't know who the old man in the portrait is, or, or, you know, I know it's his dad or whatever, but I still don't really know who that guy is. And I didn't know who the shield agents were when they showed up. And it, it, it seems like maybe this is potentially even becoming like a, a Bendis thing where he introduces people. And then you're just expected to have to wait to find out who they are for a half an issue or an issue, which isn't the worst thing in the world, but it does seem like sometimes it happens a lot like it did in this epi- in this issue. So I gave it, I still graded it more positively than you because I did like, every, you know, everything. I just wish that they had, they had explained stuff when they were talking about it. But I gave it seven out of ten phone calls ignored from Ben Urich. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think these are hooks. I think it's supposed to, like, draw you in and say, yeah. I want to know who those people are. Yeah. But I think all those answers are coming in the not too distant future. Yeah. I think we get all of them by, you know, the end of what we're reading today. I guess I'm just like a child and my (laughs) impulse control is, is off. (laughs) I mean, that's fair. I mean, we can take that into consideration when we're grading them. (laughs) It's our show. We, we set the rules. 
<laughs> All right. So moving into issue 17, this is written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Mark Bagley, inked by Art to Bear, colored by Jung Choi, and lettered by Dave Sharp. So we open on Craven the Hunter on TV saying, I'm here to hunt you, the one you call Spider-Man. <laughs> and I'm going to kill him with me bare hands. Way better than I did that in the last <laughs> issue. I don't know that it's good, but it's earnest. I'm trying yeah. here. Yeah. Um, and Peter is eating cereal and watching TV in the living room uh, as Craven says this. And he looks worried by Craven's announcement, which makes sense. And Aunt May comes by to tell him not to eat in the living room. And she asks him if he's going to the bugle after school. And he says yes. And as she walks away, he kind of just like says to himself. Guy says he's going to kill you on a morning talk show. What a completely crappy way to start the day. Yep, that was a, that's a good line. I, I wrote that one down myself. Yeah, it stands out. It's very Peter Parker. Yeah. Um, so we cut to Craven doing exercises while a marketing person shows him like a poster of himself hunting Spider-Man. I wrote in my notes that this is a marketing person because we don't really get the answer. But then after thinking about it, I'm like, that's probably his agent. That's I said it was his manager. So I think his agent or his manager or something like that. Yeah, yeah it's assumed to be like whatever business person is kind of taking point on, on Craven's, you know, brand and Craven, um, admits to the agent marketing dude, business manager fellow that he's still not totally into this. And the guy tells him tough, the ship has sailed. The word is out. And Craven just thinks it's cheap theatrics. And his marketing guy tells him it'll keep him on air long enough to get to 100 episodes and send his show into syndication. And then they'll all make Seinfeld money. <laughs> Seinfeld money, baby. That's such a funny, like, villain motivation. But <laughs> it works. I like well, it. I I wonder if... So, do you think he's, like, a real hunter? Like, do you think he actually, like, has fought the lizard and these mutants or is this acting <laughs> i think he really intends on killing spider-man i don't think they're gonna you know stage it with some guy you know dressed up like spider-man i think this is a serious okay. plot point although they did just say how did you get that picture because the 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 advertisement is like craven holding up spider-man against a wall i think right with and a spear craven's, yeah craven's like how'd you get that picture and they're like we dressed up one of the interns or something <laughs> that is very funny but i mean it that's what they would do i guess i mean yeah. they also probably would stage him killing a man not actually doing it on tv but you yeah. know that's semantics baby we they don't care about <laughs> that's, that's semantics baby they don't care about mutants in this world so you whatever don't worry about that craven we'll worry about that <laughs> you just be sex appeal and manliness yes so uh craven's girlfriend walks into the room in a bathrobe and the marketing guy says oh we also need to get her a bigger role in the show and he just like starts objectifying her to her face and they both turn on marketing guy 
And he's kind of like trying to backpedal that. And he just continues and says, for the next six months, you have to be sex and violence personified. <laughs> um, so I thought he was a, what he was about to say about the girlfriend. And maybe I'll try to pull it up is I didn't think he was he was objectifying her or maybe he was a little bit. But I thought he was saying and she's Wakandan. And that's when they like cut him off was before he could finish that word. See, I couldn't tell if that's what he was going to say, because like you said, the word is cut off. It for some reason, the spelling didn't look like. Wakanda. Well, I think it, so. I think it's because it has an I at the end. Yeah, because he's going to say Wakanda in. He's not. She's from Wakanda. He's saying she's Wakanda in, I think. But I don't know. I It, it was kind of hard to tell. I was going to I was going to ask about it. I think that is a good guess. I had the thought, but I wasn't confident enough about it to actually like put it in my notes. But since that's how you took it, too, I'm going to say that was probably the intent. Okay, and especially since like they cut, she cuts him off before he can even finish it. I feel like that's like a sensitive topic. Maybe I'm guessing it's like he's saying it in like a gross, like exoticism way. Like, oh, you've got this, you know, mysterious oh African okay. girlfriend, and she's like, dude, don't go there. Don't be, oh, don't be weird. Okay, I didn't. I I thought it was because. I, I guess I was still reading it as like we know of Wakanda as this like I don't know like she's like a Dora Milaje or something like that you know so I was thinking that's what he was talking about but you are probably right because he's a sleazy marketing guy. I think there's a couple different ways to read this and I think this is the first time we've really come across this in the book where um, it's it's kind of open to interpretation what he even means what he stands for. I think we're encountering that a lot in these issues today. Yeah. But um, he kind of closes with his conversation with Craven by saying, you never know. I think this one might actually be a challenge for you. Just kind of setting up that maybe the Spider-Man isn't as easy as, you know, catching a leopard or whatever. (laughs) And the scene switches to Midtown High in Peter's history class. So we do find out what subject the become a superhero thing is for. We said maybe sociology it's, I guess it's just like a history class. Social studies. Yeah. Social studies. Is that what we said in the last episode? What we thought, what class we thought it would be. Did we say, I I think we landed on some type of social studies or uh, sociology or psychology or English. Okay. Okay. We so really we hedged our bets. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We were bound to get it right. Yeah. <laughs> so a school administrator interrupts the class to bring Gwen Stacy back in. And he says that because her father guaranteed no more problems, Gwen is being allowed to return to school. But first she has something to say. And she gives like the most forced apology she can. Oh my she- gosh. We're going to argue. <laughs> what? Did you think it was? Authentic? I put she gives what looks like a very heartfelt apology. <laughs> I think she says the right things, but to me, the art looks like she feels like she's being pushed to do so. Wow. So I want to okay. read some of these quotes because it is interesting. 
uh, she says, I know you don't know me or anything, and I just came to this school, but I'm not like crazy girl looking to terrorize the school or anything. I just got bummed out when I saw the bullying going on. I don't like bullies, but I know that's no excuse. So I apologize for the knife and I won't do it again. I, I, that sounds good to me. <laughs> like I said, it's the right words, but it's the way yeah. she said it. Like she even paused yeah. before she started. I don't know. It just struck me kind of the wrong way. I'm trying to go back to it right now and I'm going to look at some of these pictures and see, see, this is, this is just where you can't get the same. How are they reading it that you can with like acting or anything? I guess you can draw it, but <laughs> I think this could be one of two things. This could be um, maybe Bendis had one uh, plan for how this scene was supposed to go and Bagley had a different one. Or it could be Bagley understood what, you know, or Bendis and Bagley both agreed like, hey, let's put some nuance in here and let people, you know, question whether I, this is sincere. I think, are you looking at it right now? Are you looking? Try, do you have trying to up? pull it up. I think what, what made me think it was sincere was it's on page seven and it's the shot where she's, the background goes away and it's like she's in a void and that kind of, I don't know that I think I, I'm not saying I like took all of this into consideration when I was reading it, but I just think that like drawing makes it seem like she is kind of like sad and alone and like, you know, being like sincere and kind of heartfelt, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, her head is down and her eyes are closed there, so I can see that. But then there the must way have been so some reasoning that they decided to do that with just the white background, apart from like you know, a you know, they like take her out of the class and like draw her in on her own. I mean, you're not wrong. Everything you're saying is right there on the page. But I just also am thinking about where her actions go from there i know what what happens two seconds after this <laughs> yeah so it's like maybe yeah. i think she knows okay yeah. got it don't bring a knife to school check yeah. but i think she also sees some injustice there that... as soon as she sits down she's ready to start fighting again <laughs> exactly she's not mad she's not upset about what she did she's upset of okay maybe i shouldn't have done it with a knife yeah yeah that's fair so we're dancing around it i'll just get there so after her apology um mary jane frowns at peter as he's staring at gwen like while she's giving her little speech and then gwen takes her seat and the administrator says something about an assembly happening in a few minutes and as soon as he's left Gwen interrupts the teacher saying, I think we need some more apologizing. And the teacher says, I'm sorry. And Gwen responds, no, not from you, from this chubby load. <laughs> I think that this guy needs to apologize for starting this all in the first place. And she's pointing, obviously, at Kong. And he refuses to apologize for kicking Peter. So she like she came in, you know, looking all solemn and, you know, thoughtful and everything and she gave this great little speech in front of the administrator and then as soon as he's gone 
she's fighting with Kong again. And the teacher kind of asks her uh, if she wants to get expelled again. And she's like, no. So she doesn't. She doesn't escalate it, but she also doesn't back down. Her and Kong are still like whispering some choice words to each other. Not so quietly. Are you going to say what it is? Do we want to keep it more family friendly? (laughs) Yeah, let's let's be nice because they're they're pretty nasty with it. Yeah, you guys can look it up yourselves if you want. Yeah, go buy Marvel Unlimited and you can read along with us. <laughs> um, and the teacher's like, you know, I'm sure you are used to this in your profession, but like when the, you know, the class gets like, you know, way off topic and the teacher's just doing her best to get it back. She's like, anyways, <laughs> pretty, pretty much. And she brings up the Lord in heaven. And I'm like, I've said that before. (laughs) Oh, Lord. I bet you just wanted to crack open this book for a little escapism. (laughs) And then he read this and it felt all too real. Yeah. (laughs) But she asks if anyone has any questions about the be a superhero assignment. And Liz Allen raises her hand. And she says she thinks the assignment is in poor taste since the school was almost destroyed in a superhero fight. But she doesn't call it a superhero fight. She keeps saying those mutants. And she mentions mutants multiple times. And she says her mom doesn't believe schools should even talk about mutants and that she'll be bringing it up at the next PTA meeting. (laughs) And she maybe has a point to start because... The assignment might be in poor taste since their school was just destroyed by some superheroes. But, you know, that's not why she's really saying it. Yeah. Yeah. When you read between the lines, it's about mutants for her. Yeah. Um, And the teacher's like, oh, OK. And she says she asks if anyone shares Liz's view. And Gwen kind of gets a look on her face And she's the only one who raises her hand. And you kind of get the sense that she doesn't really believe. At least I did. I got the sense she doesn't really believe in what Liz is saying. She just wants to keep like stirring the pot. (laughs) Yeah, she's just she's just trying to annoy the teacher. And you see like there's a perfect like drawing with Gwen in the background with her hand raised just looking like an idiot with like the goofiest smile on her face and the teacher with her hands just in her face, like basically just being like, Oh my gosh, just let this class period end. <laughs> just, she, just get me out of here today. <laughs> she's ignoring Gwen so bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, MJ holds up a note for Peter to see that just says she's nuts. Okay. Is that what it says? I was trying to read it and it looks like she says like, she's, Oh, wow. And then I don't. Okay, so it's unclear. Um, It looks like she used the same paper for two different notes and she wrote over top of them. So I see, oh, wow. And then I see she's nuts. Or maybe like Peter wrote one of them and she wrote the. uh, Yeah, Peter maybe wrote, oh, wow. And then she wrote she's nuts in return, maybe. It makes me wonder if there was a previous issue that we've covered where they had written a wow and we didn't mention it because it didn't feel important, but maybe that's like, this is the, that sheet of paper. Maybe that could definitely be correct. I could see that as happening. 
Yeah, but with the context and the fact that she was frowning at Peter when he was looking at Gwen just a few pages ago, I think she's saying she's nuts. Yeah, yep. Because she clearly does not like her. Yeah. Anyways, um, we jump to a limousine, which the caption tells us is owned by Justin Hammer. And it's the guy from the building in the last issue it's the with the southern painting gentleman the southern gentleman is justin hamma <laughs> which is great very different from his iron man 2 persona yes very different indeed um he's of the great hamma time claim <laughs> uh he so we now know a name for that guy and he's on a video call with a scientist um, an unnamed scientist and he's demanding results and references electro implying that he got his powers from one of hammer's experiments. And he asks about the status of the Sandman experiment. And we see security footage of a man just screaming in agony as his body dissolves into sand. And we're told by the scientist that his name is Flint Marco and nothing is wrong with him. The pain is just in his head. Apparently the experiment worked, but the transformation was too much of a shock for him to handle psychologically. And so we kind of learned that uh, Justin Hammer, like Norman Osborn, is engaging in violations against the superhero test ban treaty. He's like trying to create super people. And he had paid Otto Octavius to infiltrate Osborne's company and be an industrial spy for him. And he now thinks that Otto blames him for the accident and he expects Otto to try and kill him, which is correct. But I'm not sure how he came to that assumption. Doesn't really tell us. Well, so I have a couple things because you just went through a lot of stuff. So. I think it's really cool that it's not just like, it seems like in every Spider-Man thing, it's always Norman Osborn. Who's like experience, who's doing all the experimenting that like makes all of the like people. So I kind of like in this where it is Justin hammer. And maybe that's just because I do really like Justin hammer's character from Iron Man too. And I like the Southern gentleman, the way he talks. Yeah. Um, so I like that a lot. I think Flint Marco and the Sandman thing that looks really, that's just a very interestingly drawn panel. Oh yeah. Um, it's great. And then for what you said with the, um, what was it? Oh, why he thinks doc Ock like thinks it was maybe his fault. Yeah. Mm, I guess I there's the painting. He broke, yeah. He broke in probably, he probably just like assumes that, I don't know. Or maybe he's got like video in his house and he saw Doc Ock monologuing in front of his painting. That's true. If he's anything like Wilson Fisk, he keeps everything yeah. recorded. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It feels like a really well-made leap of logic for someone in a universe where no one is making the obvious leap of logic to figure out Peter Parker's Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, so I think maybe what, what almost gets like dropped when you when you just like read that paragraph what he's saying you know you also think that doc ock blames him like doc, we know doc ock does blame him 
Right. And we have no reason to think that he didn't sabotage it right now because Doc Ock is telling us that he did. So what it's really uncovering is like that this guy didn't sabotage it, which I don't know, maybe that just means something else went wrong or someone else was the reason that it went wrong or something. Or he could be an unreliable narrator. Maybe maybe he did. Yeah. And he's just telling yeah. the people around yeah, him. That's true. Yep. Oh, he thinks I did this. We don't actually see him deny it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But um Hammer arrives at the waterfront where the mayor of New York is holding a press conference announcing the end of the city's energy crisis thanks to Hammer's newly constructed energy dome. And uh uh Hammer Time takes the mic and starts talking about the energy dome project and the screen behind him shows a live feed of workers in the energy dome and Ben Yurick is there. He's one of the reporters covering it. And he asks Mr. Hammer, what is the nature of your relationship to Dr. Otto Octavius? And of course, Hammer, you know, says, Oh, I don't know anyone by that name. (laughs) And almost on cue, Octavius appears on the live feed right behind him, killing the energy dome employees. And Yurick says, well, he knows you. And uh, Octavius is smiling menacingly at the camera. And then meanwhile, um, we see what the convocation was about. And Octavius oh. is also in a brand new uniform or uh, outfit that he's got. He's in his like classic comic Doc Ock look now. Yeah, green jumpsuit. Yep. And... Uh, So, meanwhile, at Midtown High, we find out what the convocation was about. Um, The principal tells students that a segment of Craven the Hunter's show is going to be filmed there. And that anyone who wants to have their faces shown on TV needs to have their parents sign a waiver. And he's interrupted by someone delivering a note. And he tells the students, we've just received word that there's been some kind of trouble in the city. We're still getting details, but authorities have asked us to ask you to remain seated and remain calm. And MJ just looks at Peter and says, go. So we cut to helicopters approaching um, Hammer's energy dome. And we see that Peter in his Spidey suit is stowing away, hanging onto the helicopter by one of his webs. And one of the helicopter gunners notices Spider-Man. And starts shooting at him. So Peter has to bail. And he falls through a glass portion of the roof. Into the energy dome. And as he starts to gather himself. And stand up. He says. Ta-da. <laughs> Ow. And we see Doc Ock standing behind him. With a dead body skewered through one of his mechanical arms. And that ends the issue. Do you think that the uh, energy dome in Spider-Man two with doc Ock was based on like this kind of like out in the middle of a like dock on the water or anything like that. Or you think that's just kind of a coincidence power of the sun in the palm of my hand. (laughs) Yes. I, I don't necessarily think it is. I mean, I think it hits some of the same beats, but it just still feels different because that was like very, very yeah. specifically fusion energy, whereas we don't really know where this energy is coming from. And yeah. also it was like 
Doc Ock's pet project. It wasn't yeah, exactly. someone else's. Yeah. Yeah. There, I, I thought that kind of the same thing. There are some similarities, but it's not like it was ripped straight from or anything like that. Right. I mean, who knows? We know that um, Tommy McGuire and Sam Raimi at least read portions of this run. Did so they? Stra- Stranger things have happened. Yeah, dude, check the Instagram. My second post is a throwback to them on the set reading the Great Powers arc. Oh, we'll have to send an email. Yeah, get them, get on, them the on the pod. Show. Yeah, yes, I'm sure they remember all about this. Yeah, exactly. Well, and uh, then there's also the J. Jonah Jameson line about what'd you take this with the disposable camera that they. Oh, yeah, that they put in. I mean, I suppose someone else could have written that line, but I think they knew. So, so maybe we should get J. Jonah Jameson on the pod, too. Let's get everybody. Yeah, we'll come to we'll think add of it to the schedule. Yeah, the entire cast of No Way Home. Let's just get all the Spider-Men on here. Yeah, that'd work. Yeah, that'd be fun. You heard your listeners. Yeah, maybe like <sighs> that'd be a, that'd be a fun hour of Zach and I saying nothing and just listening <laughs> for an hour. <laughs> it's not our place. No, no way. <laughs> all right. So, what'd you think of this one? Um, I kind of like the last one i just thought maybe it was a bit like unexplained and i just wish i had gotten a little more information especially when we're in justin hammer's limousine on stuff i don't like when i'm reading something and i and i have to like read it two or three times over because i'm like did i miss something that i was supposed to catch there and then it was like no I didn't miss anything. I just, I don't know. So I don't know. I kind of feel like I would have liked to have seen uh, a little more just about Justin Hammer and all of his stuff. And I gave it a three out of five supervillain experiments. It's funny you say that because that limousine scene is specifically the one I had to reread a couple times. Yeah. It it just covers a lot, like really quickly. And without that much information. Yeah, it's supposed to be exposition, but it's like a scientist talking about another scientist with a guy that we just learned his name of. And we just learned what business he's in, but he's been in the last couple issues. And then we're also going to talk about two different experiments that he's done. But then also Doc Ock was in an experiment. It's surprisingly convoluted for just a short amount of time. Yeah. There's a there's a bunch of people involved. We don't really know their names, you know. And then when you include that with like the shield agents who are showing up that we don't really know anything about them. That's that's not in this issue, I guess, but it's still in like the overarching story. Yeah. It seems like there is just a lot of introducing characters who aren't important enough to be like named. Yeah. And in the limousine scene, it felt like they were talking around what they were talking about instead of like explaining it, which on one hand is how you would have a conversation with someone who's already, you know, on the same page as you. But on the other hand, it doesn't serve as super easy exposition for the reader. Yeah. Yeah. So I still gave it over 50%. I said three out of five supervillain experiments. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to be generous to this one and give it four out of five. I mean, it's 
it's right on the cusp of it could be a three or could be a four, but I do like the nuance and the characterization of like Gwen's scene in the classroom. I think she's like very quickly starting to steal the show in this comic. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. Although I don't like what it's doing to Peter and MJ's relationship. Yeah. It's testing it, but she's good. Um, She was wearing, and I'll say this just because you mentioned Dr. Who maybe to me before the pod earlier, but the shirt that Gwen is wearing, anyone who has watched Doctor Who would recognize it as like a shirt that Rose wears in a very famous issue. And it's just it's just the cutoff that is entirely the Union Jack flag from Great Britain. Um, oh. so it, it sticks out like a sore thumb. That's funny. In the issue before that, I noticed her wearing a Smashing Pumpkins shirt. But I oh, didn't really? comment on it because I'm not a <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins guy. Ouch. This podcast is not brought to you by Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> um, okay, so issue 18. You got anything else on issue 17? Are we ready to run into it? Dude, let's get into 18. Okay, issue 18. Written by Brian Michael Bendis. Penciled by Mark Bagley. Inked by Art Tabear and Eric Benson. Spider-Man has just fallen through the building and he's still figuring out what's going on when he sees this doctor injured up against the the rubble. So he runs over to him to help and the doctor just kind of barely gets out the words to just run away. And before Spider-Man can even do anything, he gets punched by multiple metal arms and all of a sudden he's just being held up by Doc Ock and and I have a lot of quotes in this issue summarization. So uh, get get ready for all that, Zach. But, all right. So Doc Ock says, what is this? Ridiculous. And Spider-Man struggling to get words out still manages to respond. You should talk. He catches Doc Ock off guard and he hits him on both sides of his head. He kind of gives him like a, a punch on both sides of his head and his ears. And Doc Ock screams, my eyes. And Peter says that the eyes are his least of his problems. And then he. Well, because it popped yep. out his uh, his little stupid glasses things. Oh, is that what happened? Okay, yeah, they're like flying away. Like, okay. And and Spidey just goes on to to kind of quip him to death. He makes fun of his green jumpsuit and he talks about how, you know, He's like, I've got, I've got eight arms and I'm like a um, complete like monster experiment, but I still want to stylize. So I guess I'll put on my green jumpsuit today. <laughs> and so he's just kind of making fun of that. And um, do you have anything you want to add about the quips? I've got more later on. So if you think I missed some, I promise I didn't. Oh, he's getting them good. I think. Yeah, it's, I think it's so funny. I mean on one hand that someone in the Spider-Man suit, and we all know what that looks like is like just roasting (laughs) someone else's fashion choices. Yeah. I was kind of digging the doc Ock look. So yeah, I mean, there is, so you might not have ever heard this before, but you'll start noticing it. Now there was like a thing in the silver age of comics where, uh, for whatever reason, like good guys wore primary colors. Good guys wore 
like reds and blues and the bad guys wear a lot of green and purple and like secondary colors. Okay. And the fact that Doc Ock's thing is almost just a solid green jumpsuit. (laughs) It's super easy. It's super classic, but like it kind of has that like villain iconography. Like I think he would be doing worse by making it more complicated. Yeah, I agree. I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, Spidey's tearing him down because that's what you do when you fight someone. But I don't think he's making, you know, good points. I mean, sort of like the hair thing. He oh, hits we'll that get on to the it. Head. We'll get to it. He makes some good points. Okay. <laughs> so, so Spidey kind of webs up Doc Ock's arms, and then he notices that he's able to break out of his webbing, which he didn't even know was possible. And Spidey's still kind of joking around about his origin being a a radioactive a radioactive toilet snake, and then he just gets slammed against the wall by the metal arms that break out of his webbing. Real quick, though, he should know that his webs can break because we just saw Kingpin break them. Yeah, I was wondering when he said, "I didn't even know that could happen." I was like, "He had to. That has to have happened before." But... <laughs> Sounds fake, but okay. <laughs> Um, so, so he gets slammed against the wall. He's like still making quips about Doc Ock's origin and his jumpsuit. And Doc Ock just says, please be quiet. And he's kind of trying to figure out who Spider-Man is. He's like, are you the police? Are you one of Justin Hammer's experiments? And Spider-Man's like, no, I'm the haircut police. And there's a $50 fine for bull cuts. And Doc Ock just responds, I like my hair. I think Doc Ock's responses are as funny as Spider-Man's quips. The please be quiet when you're just getting like, <laughs> like made jokes about you. And the I like my hair. I think, I think he's handling it like a champ. He's super like, he feels like the awkward scientist dude. that's like too yeah. smart for his own good and takes <laughs> yeah. everything seriously. He's playing that so well. And it makes the quips funnier. Yeah, and then he he strings up Spider-Man. He's got all of his arms pinning his pinning Spidey's arms and Peter just kind of chokes out. He's like, "Okay, okay, your hair is fabulous." <laughs> and and Doc Ock goes for the killing blow and Peter's just able to stop it with his foot and Doc Ock says, "You little freak." And we hear Peter say, "Well, if that isn't the pot calling the kettle black." <laughs> and Spider-Man's on his last legs here. He's about to pass out. He can like feel his spine about to give out. And uh, Doc Ock just throws a, a metal arm punch at him that I guess is also electrocuted somehow. And he just blasts Spider-Man out of the building that they're in, like way back to where the docks are, because I think they're out in the middle of the water. And he just blasts him back. Park. Yeah, yeah, he's out of the ballpark. And... The panel goes black and Spider-Man's kind of like passed out or at least that's what we we gather because we're on his perspective. Everything's black and we just hear Captain, we've got him. Should we remove his mask and find out who the perpetrator is? And Spider-Man wakes up and he's completely surrounded by like six or seven agents that are aiming guns at him and they're about to take his mask off when up walks the two shield agents from earlier. And they're just, 
they pull the immediate like we've got jurisdiction here this is our perp and then the other police officers are like well hey 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 you know this is our perp we've got jurisdiction and and they're just going back and forth about like this whose whose territory this is and meanwhile some shield agents just keep interrupting trying to ask hey should we remove this guy's mask and sharon carter yeah zach i think those are the police dudes because they have swat helmets on oh were they okay so the so the police agents are just holding Spider-Man. They're like, should we remove this guy's mask? And everyone's just arguing about whose jurisdiction it is. And of course, this is the perfect opportunity for, for Spider-Man to web up the guys that are closest to him and just jump away into the water very, very easily. Well, do you see how he does that? Um, they're all, they're all arguing and he points and he says, hey, is that Charlton Heston? And everyone turns their head. Oh, <laughs> no, I don't even think I, I like did realize that sign or that that phrase. But I was like, I don't I, I was just I guess I didn't even realize that that was him making a diversion. That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's funny that a high schooler like the celebrity he thinks of is Charlton Heston. <laughs> Seems kind of random, but I like it. Yeah. Yeah, in the early 2000s, right? Yeah, right. Um so so Peter goes into he jumps into the water and he kind of is able to swim away. He's dodging bullets again. I meant to say in the last episode, but it seems like every episode ends with Spider-Man just getting shot at and dodging <laughs> gunfire at this point. Um and he's he's able to swim away and escape, but he does lose his Spider-Man top. He, he still has his Spider-Man like bottom part of his costume on, but he loses his shirt and he's topless. He, he's top. Yep. He's topless. And he goes over to MJ's and she's going to stitch him up, which I guess is that maybe like their relationship. She is able to stitch him up. She doesn't, she's only like a high schooler. So it doesn't seem like she'd be able to stitch him up very good. Right. She's like playing nurse with a first aid. Yeah, kit. yeah, kind of like it doesn't hold as much weight as like when you see daredevils getting stitched up by like a registered nurse or, you know, all of the superheroes have their person that they can go to when they get hurt. But I don't think Spider-Man's going to survive long if his is Mary Jane Watson. <laughs> Um, so so she stitches him up and they're watching the news and Justin Hammer's on the news talking about the incident and he's getting asked about Doc Ock and every time he gets asked about Doc Ock, he steers it over towards like, well, Spider-Man was the real, you know, issue here. He's the one who broke in and ruined everything. And Peter's just getting very dejected because he's going on this cycle of getting his butt kicked and then getting blamed for everything in the media. And he just, that just keeps happening to him. And he's like, this crap never happens to Captain America or Iron Man. And Mary Jane says, well, maybe it's the costume. And Peter's like, you don't like the costume? She's like, no, that's not what I was saying. I like the costume. And then he, he's, he's kind of talking to himself and he's like, Daredevil looks like a complete tool. Nobody blames nuclear sabotage on him. <laughs> so peter contemplates skipping school tomorrow to heal up but craven is coming tomorrow 
And he knows that if he misses, Kong is going to run around the school yelling about how Peter's Spider-Man and he skipped school because Craven was going to be there. So, and MJ is kind of, you know, giving jokes about like, oh, I was this close to being Spider-Man. You know, it could have been me dealing with all this stuff instead of you. And Peter's like, I, I, you get the feeling she she kind of jokes around about this a lot, you know, that uh, she was this close to being Spider-Man, not in a jealous way, I don't think, but just like joking around. Right. That's their little inside joke. Yeah. Um, And she leaves and Peter's kind of sitting there recapping all of the negative things. That... Well, real quick. Yep. So what is she going to do for him? She's she's got a little homework. Oh, I'd have to look. I didn't write it down. What is she going to do? She's Fix his going costume, maybe. She's going to sew him a new costume. Yeah, because he lost his shirt. Right, so she, and she's like, "Oh, does that make me your Betsy Ross?" Oh yeah, yeah. And she's like, "Can I put it on?" Like she wants to wear it. She really wants to be Spider Man. That's that's right. She does say she's like, "Hey, if I finish sewing your costume in time, can I wear it for the superhero assignment?" <laughs> and Peter's like, "No, because we both know you'd cut the you'd cut the stomach out of it, you know, yeah. and wear it like a tank top or not a tank top, but a a crop top. Crop top. Yep. It says this as she's wearing like like a turtleneck sweater or a a crew neck sweater that she's made into a crop top." <laughs> And for any of our younger listeners, Betsy Ross was the woman who sewed the first American flag. So you can learn a little bit on this podcast. That's why MJ is like the Betsy Ross Spider-Man. Good job, Teach. Yeah. (laughs) So she leaves to go and sew his costume. And we see Peter recapping all these awful things that have happened to him and how he keeps getting blamed for everything. And just then aunt may comes home. She's not supposed to be home yet. Peter was going to be in bed by the time she got home. So she couldn't see all of his cuts and bruises, but she gets home early and she's about to walk in and see him with all of his bandages on and everything like that. And Peter's kind of panicked and that's where the issue ends. Dun, 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 dun. This was a good one. I liked it a lot. What yeah. did you think? I I mean, the ending is definitely fun. I like whenever he, like Peter is thinking, oh, gee, man, how could how could life get any worse? And then <laughs> on cue, life gets worse. Yeah, I know that's like the Spider-Man thing is like he just constantly gets <laughs> gets beat down. Yeah, the best Spider-Man writers are the ones who are meanest to him. <laughs> I liked it. Um. Yeah, we're just we're seeing. I mean, I I'm more of a sucker for the interpersonal stuff, but we got some good little fight scenes in here. We got him getting stomped by Doc Ock, which, as we all know, he, whenever he fights someone the first time, he gets his butt kicked. The second time, he comes in with a plan, and then we get you know the stuff with him and MJ. This was a fun little one. Yeah, this was a fun one that I thought like every joke that they wrote, which there were a lot in this one, they all landed and they're just all funny. Um, So I rated this one out of 10 Spider-Man quips and I gave it 10 out of 10 Spider-Man quips, which I think was my first perfect episode I've given. Wow, that's pretty nice. Um, I don't know that I go that that far. 
you know, it also just might have to do with the mood I'm in, you know, an episode like this, if I had read it when I wasn't in such a fun mood, maybe I would have given it like eight out of 10 Spider-Man quips. So yeah, for sure. Your mileage mileage may vary on these. Um, Yeah. I thought it was a good one too. I'm going to give it eight out of 10. Um, You know, it's, it's not one of the better ones in the whole series, but it's, probably the best one we covered today yeah i think the daredevil joke got an actual like laugh out of me when i read it daredevil looks like a complete tool nobody blames nuclear sabotage on him yeah now i gotta use that because that sounds like a perfect uh segue um we are not gonna see what happens with aunt may coming down the stairs next week we're gonna take a break and we're gonna go back to the team up series and john you get to see some nice daredevil action love it yeah so next week we're gonna what 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 issues are we doing next week next week we are doing ultimate marvel team up issues six through eight and then two weeks from now we will be picking back up in the regular series with issue 19 okay i love it very exciting Nice. And then since I cut you off to say that, did you have anything else you wanted to say about this issue? I don't I don't think I do. I think uh, I think we covered it. I, I put a lot of the quotes in there. So you did a good job. <laughs> it, it got, cultivated it got yeah. <laughs> the right ones before we leave. Uh, you got anything interesting for us this week? I do. As a matter of fact, because I know last week. Well, for us, it was like three weeks ago. But last week's episode, we talked about Babylon the new Tobey Maguire movie. Yes. Is there any chance you went out and saw it? I have not. I haven't been to the movies in forever. Well, Zach, that doesn't surprise me that you didn't see it because it totally bombed. Could not have done any worse. I'm going to read you the numbers on it. Okay. Okay. And I got these, by the way, from a podcast I listened to called The Weekly Planet, which is a much better podcast than the one Zach and I are doing. You've Um, shown me that before. And it's my favorite one, so I'd highly recommend listening to it. Um, But they talk about the bombs of the year, and the number one bomb of the year was Babylon, which had a budget of $80 million. And when you look at what a movie's real budget is, you want to basically double what the budget they say is because whatever they spend on the movie, they're going to spend that on marketing. So the true budget is twice whatever the, the actual number is. Okay. So Babylon's budget was 80 million. That means they spent roughly 80 million on marketing for a $160 million budget. It made $3.5 million. <laughs> wow. That is incredible. That is I've- incredible. And I felt like their marketing might have even been more than 80 million because like when you brought up, oh, Tobey Maguire's in a new movie, I instantly knew I was like, I don't know what this is about. The trailer is very confusing, but I've seen it so many times. I've seen the like advertising for Babylon more than I'd probably seen any like advertising for something that wasn't a Disney Avatar Marvel or DC movie in the last year. Well, and that must just be a testament how 
to how bad they did marketing because now you have said that you watched so many trailers and didn't know what the movie was about. And the only trailers I saw for it were those little like five second trailers where all I saw was Tobey Maguire's face. And then it was just like that. And he was like nervous or something. I don't even remember. And it was like Babylon. And I was like, I don't know what that is, except that Tobey Maguire is in a new movie and I need to tell Zach about it on the pod. I still don't know what it's about. You could tell me it Neither had I. any actor in it and was about any subject. And I'd say, yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. And judging by the amount of money it made, not very many people know what the movie is about either. But that's pretty wild. To spend $160 million and to make $4 million back is outlandishly bad. That's like an impressive flex, honestly. That's like an Elon Musk level fumbling of the bag. That's like my investing, you know, that's it. When your returns are getting to be about what my returns are, it's time to start looking into new things. Those guys shouldn't be making movies anymore. This pod brought to you by Robin Hood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zach and I are doing another pod on investing advice. We're going to we're going to be launching that one. <laughs> we have a 100 percent satisfaction rate. We can teach you how to, in 30 days, take $10 and turn it into seven. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And all you'll have to do is pay us another $10 a month and we'll we'll teach you. Pretty yeah. easy. But you know what? Our results are just so consistent. It, it works. The yeah. system works. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but that that's that was my something interesting that I had and I I thought that was a good one. You got that was pretty good. Or are we ready? Um I got tickets to a music festival in Detroit on a whim. Amazing. They, yeah, they just announced the lineup the other day and like 20 minutes after seeing the lineup I had my credit card out. Wasn't planning on going to Detroit this year, but you know, we ball. Nice. That'll be really fun. That's yeah. something Zach loves doing is going to music shows and everything. I don't know if we've talked about that before, but Zach's a stage diver at these shows. <laughs> yeah. Well, not not anymore. The wife said no. <laughs> but, yeah. Zach is married, so he's no longer a stage diver. <laughs> Zach got a concussion, so. <laughs> All right. I don't know if that was interesting to anyone else, but it's what I'm excited for. Yep. I love it. It was interesting to me. Cool. All right. Well, you ready to to call it a day? Play us out. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Better Business Bureau. Thanks again, Better Business Bureau. We'll see you good folks again next week in Ultimate Team Up. Spider-Man. <laughs> next week. <laughs> the movie. <laughs> <laughs>